Amen. Thank you, Jim, for those songs this morning. When peace like a river attended my soul. Amen. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with each and every one of you. May this week, as you've grown throughout this week, looking to the Lord, grown in his mercy, grown in his righteousness, grown into maturity as God wants us to, as we continue to look to him. You know, a lot of times when we greet each other, we greet each other with salutations, okay? What greetings? And so what I was going to think about this morning as we think of that, in Brazil, every time when people come together, perhaps you've even heard it a lot of times, shalom, right? The peace of the Lord. In Portuguese, it's a paz do Senhor. And usually we say this when we're meeting our brother and sister and greeting them for the very first time. And it's one of those things that's so great for us to be able to say, the peace of the Lord. To bless that. To ask that God's peace be on somebody. And that we be on each other as a body of Christ. To remind what we have in Christ Jesus. For the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 1, that Christ Jesus is our peace. He was made our peace. There's no dual, there's no hostility between us because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And as we also think about that in Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Amen. How many of you want peace? The peace that passes understanding. Philippians chapter 4 says what? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. And he says what? Be anxious about nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition, present your request to God and the peace that passes understanding be with you in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Lord God, I want to have that peace and I want to understand that peace even more so each and every day. Lord God, your word says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts as a body, as a body of Christ. We want the peace of the Lord in our lives. We want it to reign in our lives. That way we can have our relationship with our Lord and with our brothers and sisters in Christ and with those in the world around us that we may be able to show them the peace that passes understanding. I don't know about you, but maybe you've seen these shirts before. Maybe you've seen shirts with this phrase on it. Maybe you've seen car bumpers with this phrase on it. Joe, if you'd show it for us, it's something that we know we've seen before. No peace, no Jesus. No peace, no Jesus. Okay. Or it could be the other way around. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. Uh, <laughs> no peace, okay? But in the very first, first idea of it, the idea of it, the only way that we can truly understand peace is knowing Jesus Christ our Lord and understanding what he has done for us. That's what he brought to the church in Colossus. Colossus. He brought them a peace that passes understanding. He brought them something different. And Paul's wanting to let them know that the words that they've heard, the gospel that they've heard, are words of peace, not of war, not of hostility, but peace. And I want us to look at three ways this morning that we know that we can have peace in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Because the first part of that phrase says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The peace of who? The peace of Christ. And one of the best ways that we can understand the peace of Christ, first of all, in Colossians chapter 1. As Paul is talking to the church there in Colossians, as this letter is being written, he says in verse 12, And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued you, rescued us, from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The very first thing that we want to understand, 
because of who Christ is, the peace that we have is that we have been rescued. Amen. Now, I don't know when you think about the word rescued. There's a different kinds of ways that I think of being rescued. There's that way in the military or there's that idea of a rescue mission where somebody is lost in enemy territory or somebody you have to find somebody, you have to rescue him, been kidnapped, been taken somewhere, been held captive. And you go on a rescue mission and that rescue mission usually has planning. Not only planning, but what to do. And it even means you may even give up your own life to rescue that other person. Now, I don't know. You've seen lots of military movies where people have rescued others and given their lives for that. And Jesus is saying to us, he has rescued us from the do- dominion of darkness. He has rescued us. God has made a plan to rescue us through his son, Jesus. And this morning, talking about Ephesians, God, it was his good pleasure to plan the church before the creation of the world. This plan to have the church lavished upon, richly blessed, blessed in every way, blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus, is because God said, I'm going to send my son. There was a rescue mission to take place. Did Jesus fulfill his mission? Yes, he did. He went to the cross. He died for our sins, was buried on that day, and raised on the third day to newness of life. Jesus fulfilled his mission. And he's given us that same mission to go into the world and preach that same gospel of what Jesus has done for us. We need to understand that we have been rescued from the dominion of darkness. We were held captive by Satan himself. As Tim said, that is our enemy. Satan and the spiritual forces of evil that are working against us, that have held people captive because of sin. You can be free from sin and from the peace and have the peace that passes understanding that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. But you need to know who Jesus is. And you need to let the peace of Christ rule in your heart to really believe and know that, yes, I have been rescued. Lord God, thank you so much. I don't know about you, but if I was somewhere being held captive and somebody rescued me, I would be forever thankful, wouldn't you? He'll say that in Colossians 3.16, right after this verse, there's a little part over there that says, and be thankful. Lord God, I am so thankful, thankful that you rescued me, but you rescued all of us. And Lord God, you even sent the mission to say, hey, I'm sending my son for God so loved the world. He was on a rescue mission to save all of us. And Jesus did that for all of us who are in Christ Jesus. We have been rescued. Not only that time of, time, kind of idea of being rescued, military, or being on a rescue mission, but being rescued also in the idea of, imagine you're out in the middle of the sea, and the boat goes down, okay? And you're out in the middle of the ocean, or maybe you were, okay, I'm not going to touch on this because, you know, I see everybody's face like, I'm not going to touch that because I might, you know, That's a little bit more sturdy than it was, but I won't do anything with it, okay? But I want to think about it this way. You're out in the middle of the sea, and you can't see anything around you. All you can see is water on every side. Nobody, even close to you. What hope do you have? Not much, right? But what do you want to see? What do you want to happen? Lord God, (laughs) find me in this sea. Save me. Help me at this moment, Lord. And who knows that at that very time, right there in the distance, you start seeing a ship. And then you see 
Them throwing that, the life, the life preserver, the life float over the sea, over the boat. And you grab onto it. And you're rescued from certain death. God has rescued us from certain death. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to think about it this way. Imagine you're out in the middle of everything. Yet God says, I see Ben way back there. Way in the ocean. I'm going to throw out the lifeline for him. You know what? God has thrown out the lifeline for all of us. It's just as if if we chosen to take on to that lifeline or we're going to say, I don't want it. I'm just going to stay here in the water. I don't believe we want to. And we wouldn't want to even think about that. But what I want us to think about this is that even though we may be like a teacup, as my teacher said once a lot of times, one of my teachers in the Bible Bible school, he says, we're like a teacup in the ocean and God found us and God found you where you were, and throughout that lifetime to you. God has rescued us. On his rescue mission, in the middle of all the people, the seven billion, six billion, seven people in the world, he loves you, and he has found you. And God said in Acts 17 that he has put you in your exact times and places so that you may seek him, and by seeking him, find him. God has purpose for your life. God loves you enough to say, hey, I want you to know I'm here to rescue you. But if you want to know, if you want to be rescued, you got to know Christ. And then you can have peace that you've been rescued. Not only have you been rescued in the way of being in a rescue mission, as somebody going after you or being rescued in the sea, but you can think of other kinds of rescues as an animal rescue of places where people take animals to take care of them. To take care of them, lost dogs, lost cats, whatever they are. Those have been stranded. Those have been left aside. Those have been abandoned. I know a lot of people here that love pets. Okay? I'm not one to have dogs or cats, okay? I just kind of sneeze, but every time I've ever had a dog, well, I didn't get to keep it. And so, you know that attachment you talk about? Oh, yeah, I felt it. (laughs) And so, I don't have one now. But, the very idea at this moment, those who have these kinds of rescues, They're taking away, taking care of the strays. God, Lord God, thank you that even though we were abandoned because we abandoned you because of sin, we abandoned you because of other things, and people have abandoned us, but you're here to save us, Lord. And not only to save us, but you're here to take care of us. Lord God, thank you that while I'm on this earth, I can know that you are with me. And may your peace that passes understanding be with me and be in my heart, Lord, because I can understand above all that I have been rescued. Lord God, sometimes the reason I've been rescued is because of the things that I've done. Sometimes I felt abandoned maybe because of the things other people had done to me. But Lord God, you have rescued me. And I thank you for that, Lord. Lord God, help me to remember that every day. But not only have we been rescued in Christ Jesus by the plan of God before the creation of time, not only that has happened, but we have also been reconciled to God. 
If we look in Colossians 1, 22, 23, when God is talking about what Jesus has done for us, he says this, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Can you imagine how God looks at us and wants to think of us? And when you think about the idea of reconciliation, is it something that's easy to do? Have you ever had to reconcile two people? What's the idea of reconcile generally? That two people are mad at each other. That there is hostility between two people. And Lord God, there is hostility between us and God because of the sin that we did. Ephesians says, for we were by objects of wrath. Because of our sin. But God so loved it that he sent his son. But we were objects of wrath. Who can reconcile us with God? Who can bring us back to God from when we broke our communion with him? There in the garden. Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you so much for reconciling us to you. 1 John chapter 2 says that, My dear brothers, I write these things so that you may not sin. But if you do, we have an advocate. A lawyer, the righteous, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who speaks on our behalf. How does Jesus speak on our behalf? Because of the blood of Christ. Because of what he has done for us. If we really get to think about it, you hear people say, we have irreconcilable differences. And if you were to look at God and you were to look at us, you would think it is irreconcilable differences. God is a pure God. I am unpure. God is a holy God. I am unholy. But yet God said, I want to be reconciled with you and I will send my son, Jesus. And Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, took the form of a man so that we may be with him, so that we may be with God. Can you imagine? Is it easy the process of reconciliation? When you have two people that are upset, hostile towards one another, to let them know that they can now be reconciled together in Christ Jesus? Oh, it's not easy. It's not easy to make two people who are definitely upset at each other to once again look to each other, to once again love one another. The work of reconciliation is not easy for any of us who work in those fields to reconcile problems that come in lives of others and that separate people. But God is the God of reconciliation. And his son Jesus has come to reconcile us with him. And through that reconciliation, to reconcile us with each other as well. You know what's one of the hardest things that we can think of? is As the first Timothy says, Jesus is our mediator. I love the way it says in these books a lot of times, it says that Jesus is the one who is there ready to greet us and present us to the Father. He is the only one between us and the Father that can present us to the Father. And the Father will say, come on in. We have a God who loved us so much that he reconciled us through the physical body of Jesus. What's that mean, the physical body of Jesus? When it says it here in these verses, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. Yes, Jesus had to die for your sins. Every single stroke. That was he, he was hit with every time he was flogged. It was not because of his sins, but because of our sins. Every time and every blaspheme that was said unto him was because of our sins. 
And Jesus, even when he's on the cross and he looks down to us, he says, what? Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Even in all of his pain, in all of his anguish, he's still able to look at us and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus wanted to reconcile us. And the reconciliation, the price of that reconciliation was his body and his blood that was shed on that cross. Oh, man, it is well with my soul because of what Jesus has done. When peace like a river attendeth my way. Oh, yes, it's because of what Jesus has done for me. Jesus, thank you for reconciling me. Not because you were superhuman, but because you were sinless as you were in our image. And because you were sinless, and because you were blameless, Lord, and because of who you are, the God you are, we have reconciliation. Lord God, thank you for giving your life for me. Bryson, Keldon, can you imagine being so upset at each other? They're brothers. I hope you're not upset at each other right now, okay? Can you be a man so upset at each other that y'all couldn't talk to each other or anything? But your dad and your mom come in there and talking to you and say, y'all need to get reconciled. I know, I'm not going to have anything to do with it. I'm not going to have anything to do with it. I'm not going to have anything to do with it. And imagine your dad saying, or dying, so that you two would be reconciled. Hard to believe, isn't it? A sacrifice like that. A sacrifice like that, God did for us. God said, I don't want you to be fighting against each other. I'm going to die for you. So that you may be reconciled to me and reconciled to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And we'll see that here in just a moment. But Jesus died a physical death. It hurt when the nails went in. It hurt when they talked to him. But yet... We're glad the story didn't stay at the cross, aren't we? He was buried, but on the third day, he was raised from the dead. As it says in Colossians chapter 2, and I want you to understand this. As it says there in that verse that we've been looking up at the top ever since the beginning. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The peace of Christ. You have been rescued. You have been reconciled. And you have now been raised with Christ. To newness of life. Joe, you can go ahead and hit it. We have been raised to newness of life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 6 says that we were dead in our transgressions. But yet we were buried within the baptism. And we came out a new life. That no longer we use our bodies as instruments of injustice or unrighteousness. But now we use our bodies as instruments of righteousness. For righteousness sake. We have been raised with Christ. You know what? Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Because yes, you have been rescued. Yes, you have been reconciled. And yes, you will raise on that last day. You could also say raised and redeemed. Your body will be redeemed. You will receive a new body. Oh, thank goodness. Amen. Margie was saying earlier, Mark, sometimes I look at myself, look at others, and we're getting a little bit older. We all are. And I, we were, I was talking with Gary earlier this morning also. Our bodies don't work the way we, they used to work. All of these things happening. And God says, I'm going to raise you to new life, and you're going to be raised with a new body. Amen. A body fit for immortality, not for mortality.
But I want us to know how can we have the peace of Christ in our lives today with that. Knowing that every day that I live now in Christ, I am going to heaven. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through as we see. And we have received fullness in Christ. Because we have been raised from the dead. That means I don't have to look anywhere else. I don't have to search in any other religion. All I need to search and look for is Christ Jesus my Lord. And grow in him. Look what he says in Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. For in Christ Jesus all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Jesus is God. Amen. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self was ruled by the flesh. Was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism. In which you were also raised in him. Through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the incircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he says, your sins can be forgiven. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he said, all the fullness of him dwells in you, which means you have eternal life. You have the spirit of God in your life as a guarantee to that eternal life that we have. And not only that, all of these other things that we have here, I want you to know, as he says here, you have been raised from the dead. Blessed are those who will not participate in the second death. We're died, appointed to die once. But for those of us who are in Christ, that's the only time. And then we live again forever with Christ. Brothers, we have been raised with Christ. We've been raised to walk in newness of life, raised in Christ to receive fullness, raised to raise others up for Christ. As Ephesians will say, wake up, O sinner, and let Christ shine upon you. Oh, yes, we want Christ to shine upon others. But I got a question for us. When he says here, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are, you are called to peace. And as we understand here, through understanding who Jesus is and understanding that we have been rescued, reconciled and raised. Why? For what reason have we been rescued, reconciled and raised? To live differently than this world. To live holy. To live blameless. To be the church that God called us to be. And he's talking about all of this. If we understand anything about what Jesus is dying for, he's dying for each and every one of us. And all of us who are in Christ and all of us who have this peace, he's talking about relationships. He wants us to grow in our relationships with one another. And look what he says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Amen? Brothers and sisters, because of those things, because of what Jesus has done, because he is our peace, I want to strive for peace with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to strive for it. 
you know what striving for peace, peace means? I need to be compassionate. I need to be kind. I need to be gentle. I need to bear with each other and forgive one another. And look what it says here. Forgive one another if, if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Can you think of somebody that's done something against you? Brother or sister in Christ. A grievance that you say and you know that you have the right to have that grievance because that person did that. What does Ephesians say? For the sake of the relationship. For the sake of being rescued, reconciled, and raised in Christ. For the sake of it, forgive. You can never be truly forgiven. You can never be truly in peace if you don't truly forgive one another. When we hold out forgiveness and we don't forgive, it eats at us. It works on us. It makes us to do things and think things that we don't want to think. But God, help me. Help me, Lord, to remember what you did for me. Lord God, Jesus did this. And our mission today is to rescue each other. is to rescue those in this world. To reconcile them to Christ and let them know that they can be raised with Christ as well. But Lord God, help me to put this on. But above all of these virtues, put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. Lord God, this morning, anybody that I have a grievance against, Lord, help me to forgive as you have forgiven me. And Lord God, if there's anybody here that has a grievance against another brother or sister Christ this morning, Lord God, help them to learn to forgive as you have forgiven us. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Because it's powerful. When we talk about relationships of being rescued, reconciled, and raised, he's talking about relationships within the body of Christ. He's not only talking about relationships within the body of Christ, your relationships in your families. What does he go on to talk about after that? He talks about father, mother, wives, children, husbands, slaves, master. Talking about relationships that we all have with other people, with those who are in Christ. And then in the very end of it, the very last part of it, Paul says, pray for those that the way I, I should be ways in the way, wise in the way I act toward outsiders. That my conversation always be filled with salt. So that I may be able to answer to give the hope that I have also in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. God, we want to have that relationship with you. God, as you've put in your word, let the peace of Christ Rule in our hearts, Lord. Since as members of one body, I was called, we were called to peace. Lord God, thank you for making peace through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Lord God, help me to grow in my peace with one another. Lord God, as the word says, make it our effort to live at peace with everyone. It may not happen. But make it our effort to live at peace with everyone. And then again at the end, be thankful. Lord God, I don't deserve it. I know my sins. You know my attitude. You know my heart better than I do, Lord. But yet you are still willing to send your son for me. Lord God, the person that maybe I'm upset about right now, brother and sister in Christ, you love them also, Lord. And you sent their son on a re- you sent their, your son on a rescue mission for them as well. And Lord God, those who are in this world who have not yet given their life to you, Lord, I know that you want them to know who you are because you sent your son for the world. Lord God, help me to tell others about your son, Jesus, so that they can understand what they have in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, 
May we continue to grow in our love for one another. On the Wednesday nights during the summer, we're going to talk about one another passages. Serve one another, encourage one another, love one another, show humbleness to one another, spur one another on, don't grumble one another against one another. All of these things to talk about relationships. Brothers and sisters, as you're studying Ephesians, when we think about relationships, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, think of that great and awesome fact that we have what we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. May our unity grow with one another. And above all this morning, if you have not been buried with Christ in baptism, we want you to know you have that opportunity today to be buried with him in baptism and raised to him with goodness of life by your power that he has been raised, by your faith in the power that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And if you have any grievance between your brother and sister, Lord God, help me to forgive that today and live in peace with my church family. If you have any prayer requests this morning, in any way, God wants you to know that the church is here to pray for one another and to encourage one another. If you have any need, come as we stand, as we sing, just as I am. Just as I am, we come to the Lord, and just as we are, He can change us. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas. 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.